1: So the tool itself basically collects open source intelligence off the internet and puts together that in a way that is, uh, with a bit of a risk rating, easy for the customers to, to see where they have some exposures. That's Nathan Howe. He's Vice
0: President of Emerging Technology at Zscaler. The research we're discussing today is titled Exposed. It looks at the risks corporate and cloud infrastructures face from expanded attack surfaces. To learn why enterprises choose SixthSense, visit SixthSense.com.
1: Importantly for the security professionals amongst us, this is only data collection and only, only visibility. It is not a penetration test. It is not sending any packets to any destination service. And what we're looking for is basically open, open listeners, anything the customers may have out there. So we, we pull in information from other sources to be able to provide that visibility. And that gives us a snapshot at that time as to what their customer is running uh, on, their, on their infrastructure, exposed to the open internet. And when I say exposed, it means anybody, not just us, but anybody can see these services running on the internet.
0: Well, so
1: in general, what did you find here? Is, is there broad exposure? It's substantial, and both of this is interesting, but also not surprising at the same time. If you think about the idea in which industries have tried to deploy infrastructure to enable connectivity, they're either enabling connectivity for the consumers, so obviously you need to have a website, so those sort of things are somewhat accepted and expected. But then also, as we've gone through the last, especially the last 20 months or so, where um, we've had an increase of work from home, people have needed to provide or have more connectivity to their enterprises. So companies have delivered more and more mechanisms to connect people who are, who were once not really remote workers into remote working. And therefore, um, we've had to stand up equipment or infrastructure to enable this. So we have seen a substantial uptick of remote access services, whether it be VPNs or remote desktops and those sort of things.
0: Well, let's go through some of the findings here together. I mean, what, what were some of the the key things that you all found in the research?
1: Yeah, a couple of really interesting things um, that really stood out. One is is just the sheer amount of uh, cloud services, as in AWS, Azure hyperscaler-type services um, that enterprises are utilizing. And that's not really a surprise if you think about the commoditization of IT, and especially how a large majority of companies out there really are not IT experts. So they're looking for a service. They pay for a service, get it online as quickly as possible. And those cloud services are providing the, the path of least resistance. So that's not a surprise. I mentioned before the number of remote access services. We see a lot of those, um, speci- specifically in relation to um, VPNs, remote access, uh, um, desktops and those things, but also those seem to be in parallel to the level of attacks we've seen from the likes of the report from the from CSEL back in October, talking about uh, the top 25 attack vectors for nation-state actors and the top nine were remote access services. So there's a correlation there of, well, more people working from home, more open gateways, more exposure.
0: Yeah, one of the things that uh, caught my eye here was you tracked um, attack surfaces relative to the size of a particular company.
1: Um, and got some interesting results here. Can
0: you share with us what you found there?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think it goes by any surprise to anybody here that a large company has more IT and therefore more infrastructure on the internet, which is thus uh, possibly uh, available for attack for people. That's why we term it the attack surface. But what's interesting is that that the larger a company is, the the more they tend to have, and the reasons why. Now, I'm not going to draw any uh, concrete reasons behind this, but when I've spoken to my customers, it's generally because... It's been a a large company tends to be diverse and they may not have the governance to be able to control all entities that are standing up infrastructure. We have seen that um, some organizations are actually uh, banning the use of credit cards to uh, credit card payments through finance uh, to services like AWS and Azure to stymie they to stop the um these are uh, like people in the company just going and buying a resource without going through the appropriate change procedures. but also we've seen hmm. it with customers who needed to go and deliver something very quickly so, we see um, uh, that, that kind of speed that happens in the larger industries tends to be slowed down by change process. So they go outside the process and go and hire a, a third party developer to spin up something. So that's why we see that enterprises in the larger space have, te- have this larger attack surface. And also, they have less reliance, or sorry, more reliance on IT than the smaller companies who have perhaps less reliance on IT. Yeah, that's fascinating. And so, I mean, do the larger
0: companies then, as I would expect, you know, have greater resources
1: to help protect themselves as well? One would hope. There's definitely a shortage of IT security professionals in the industry, and we all know that and have seen that. So I guess that's also one reason why perhaps we're seeing um, more of this exposure. But clearly we'd like to see the larger organizations taking more responsibility for these things. And perhaps they are for core services, what tends to be the case is uh, the idea of technical debt, things that get left behind or forgotten about and perhaps overlooked. Um, and those in themselves, I can speak from personal experience in my life. Uh, in my my previous job, when I used to work at Nestle, uh, we de- we saw this all the time. There was somebody who'd moved on and we'd forgotten about their infrastructure they ran. So it's the size of a company obviously is challenging, but also then uh, that shortage of IT security professionals and I guess the commoditization that anyone can spin up an IT service nowadays um, in the cloud with a credit card uh, makes it challenging for enterprises to control. Yeah, that is interesting. That that whole notion of, of having,
0: you know, almost, I mean, I can imagine a, a, an organization having someone whose responsibility is to, to kind of root out those uh, those forgotten things that have been spun up, like you say, you know, but it's it's so easy to overlook that.
1: Absolutely. And actually, interestingly enough, I had a customer last week who mentioned to me very concretely, I know more about the internet than I know about my internal network. And Hmm. that's fascinating. But then when they doubled down on that, they explained that they know where YouTube is. It's advertised. They, They can look it up and find out where the servers are. They know where Facebook is. They know how to proxy that information if they want to put it through a security gateway. But their internal network, because it's just years and years and years of lack of inventory or of technical debt, there's so many things that are unknown and there's so many parts of the infrastructure that work together in a way that have not been documented. So they're afraid to turn something off because who knows what the impact will be. So it's kind of the mindset of it's running, let it be, rather than- Right, right. Rather than go and figure (laughs) out what it is, yeah. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, you hear, you see those
0: uh, sort of uh, maybe apocryphal stories about people going through code and they find code that's commented that says, we have no idea what this does, but we're afraid to take it out.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's no different for corporate infrastructure either.
0: Right, right. Well, another area that you all dug into here was looking specifically at different geographies. Can you take us through what you found there and um, what
1: that means? Yeah, and that's actually a fun one. I've discussed a few times with my colleagues. So the primary, the largest uh, region, the like geographical region that we found with the most numbers of, of exposed services was the European and Middle East and Africa, so EMEA. And hmm. when we looked at this, we couldn't really draw num- any one reason behind this, but it actually was a colleague of mine. So I, I'm an Australian who lives in Germany and um, I have a French colleague who pointed this out to me and said, well, Europe is diverse there's the French team, there's the German team, there's the Austrian team, there's the, the Swedish team, and we all do things differently. And I thought about that hmm. and that, I'm not saying that's the correlative point, but it could be one of the causes um, that YMIA has such a higher number compared to the APJ or, uh, or American regions. It could also be that there is a more of a security focus in parts of the world, like in the Americas, um, and also that APJ is perhaps one of the areas where we perform maybe less scans and haven't got the the, the right number to kind of equalize the, the base of uh, vision there. But I do enjoy the idea of thinking about that EMEA probably has a diversity of organizations and different teams and different ways of working, which is the charm of Europe, of course, but also then clearly uh, could be a security risk as well. Yeah, that's fascinating that perhaps
0: there's a... I don't know an additional translation layer at play there that
1: that could either slow things down or be an impediment. Absolutely, I mean, writing writing a pl- application for the German market isn't going to translate into the French one, even though it's a hundred kilometers away from each other in certain parts of the countries, right? So it's it's the geography does actually play into it, and you have to consider how you're going to get the people to consume those applications at the same time, host them, and maybe. Do you do them differently for different regions? So yeah, that is certainly a challenge. I'm sure that most of the big enterprises have to face. Yeah,
0: another thing that you all dug into here was looking at attack services uh, industry by industry, and some interesting, uh, interesting data you gathered here.
1: What uh, what caught your eye? Um, two main ones that I think are actually really interesting, and and they certainly have the highest numbers. And if you look at them uh, from an overall scale, but telecommunications had the highest uh, or so telecommunication industry had the highest uh, level of, of high risk vulnerabilities or high risk uh, services online. And that's not really a surprise given that telecommunications companies need to provide backwards compatible functionality for all sorts of technology out there. Um, whether it be someone running an old version of a web browser or whether it be some old version of a mail client that they have to support for some contractual obligation they have as a managed service provider. I don't know. Any of these things uh, certainly uh, pop up as as challenges for telecommunications providers. But the other industry that really took me back was actually when I saw that um, uh, the food service, the hospitality industry, was one of the largest that, was, um, that was, had, uh, had exposed services online. And it's specifically mm. around the public cloud. And again, this comes back to the point I mentioned a bit earlier, Dave, was we have um, infrastructure that, or we have companies that are not IT specialists. They need to get infrastructure or service running. And specifically within the last uh, 18 months or so with the pandemic companies that had to adapt from being face-to-face service to now I need to scan a QR code to be able to transact with you to then send you the, the food. Um, they've had to rethink the way in which they've done that. So there's no doubt been a, a creation and establishment of new infrastructure, most likely in cloud providers. In addition, like I look at that from my, my background from Nestle. And they're a food service company. They're, they're just going to go and get food made. IT. is part of the, is, is kind of a, a service, much like water or electricity. It's part of the product, mm. but it's not the key product. And so it's not as the biggest focus, focal point as it would be for an IT. security company or IT professional company. So those are the two of the most interesting uh, sets of results that we came out, that came out of this result of this scan. Yeah, it's it's really striking looking through
0: uh, some of the the charts and graphs that you include in the report. That you know, in many of them, things sort of move along, and you see oh, some different organiz- you know, different um, verticals have different numbers. But then you get to restaurant bars and food services, and it's like kabam! I mean, it is it is, it is stark how much they stand out compared to other industries.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, two things for me, as I said, is, is that the, the pandemics moved them into being kind of either you become digitized or you die, unfortunately. I think maybe that's a bit harsh to say, but if you think about it with the need of, of social distancing and, and certainly call it lockdowns in certain parts of the world, that made a lot of sense to, to, to be able to get technology online and operative for them. And the second part is, as I said, they're not security-focused specialists. They just want to have a function. So it doesn't surprise me to see those things spiraling up but without the thought of, I need to lock this down, restrict access, et cetera, et cetera.
0: So what are the takeaways from this report? When you look at all the information that you gathered here,
1: what are the lessons learned? I I think the key thing is visibility allows everyone, allows you to be informed and being informed allows you to take action. And a lot of our companies and customers we've worked with here, who we've performed the scans with, were not aware of these things. So awareness starts with visibility, of course, and then, then they need to move into taking action to be decisive about that. So I'd say, number one, really we need to be aware of what's going on. Hmm. Second thing is we need to consider the way in which we're going to move forward. And the, if you go back to the, the, the phrasing of zero trust and all the, the funky buzz, buzziness around that, the thing I like to, talk, to call it the most around that is it's about providing access to only those who are authorized to get access. Everything else is, is dark, it's gone, it shouldn't be there. But to get to that point and understanding who should get access to what, we need to look at what these enterprises have. So take the visibility, understand what you have, and then ask the question, does the entirety of the internet need, this, need access to this service? If the answer is no, then you already have a good path forward to go and segment that off, protect it, isolate it, move it behind a different control set. Um, if the answer is yes, of course, you have to address with different sets of controls. But that segmentation and understanding that you should not have all these services available to the entirety of the internet is a pretty big step forward. So I think those two thing, things are, are critical: visibility, then segmentation, isolation. And the third is, as I said, take action and and remove, utilize pro, pro, platforms, foundations like Zero Trust to remove access, remove that attack surface. That would be my my three main steps to call out.
0: When you're working with with the folks that you work with, with your with your customers, I mean, is there do they know what they don't know? Is, is there an awareness that, that they have these sorts of exposures or is that a bit of an eye-opener for them?
1: There's no real black and white answer to that, Dave. I think there's a bit of everybody mm. and in between. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's, again, it depends on how mature they are as an organization and their security uh, landscape. Um, we see everything in between. And I think the key thing here about all of this is not to point a finger at somebody and say, you've done something wrong. Because nobody's put mm. a service on the internet maliciously. I mean, not really. That's never really going to happen. What's happening is someone's putting the service on the internet to empower the business. And they probably don't understand the implications of that. So when we do point this out to them, and we do have that conversation with them, it's about understanding that it's a visible point. You're seeing a snapshot in time. No one's done anything wrong, but let's take this and let's try and find a path to make things better not say you've done something wrong or you don't have visibility or you should have seen this and you didn't it's very ignorant of you no no no. it's really to say be aware so you have that intelligence so you can go and make those decisions um, whatever that decision may be for your business
0: our thanks to nathan howe from zscaler for joining us The report is titled Exposed. We'll have a link in the show notes. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and zero trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices and data anywhere they go.